the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church. And we are live, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area Pastor, lecturer, counselor, professor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, tonight we bring you part four in our new series on contending for the faith. We will be talking about the five D's as it relates to our bodies being the holy temple of God. Oftentimes, when we talk about the Old Testament temple as a holy consecrated place where God dwells, we forget that these Old Testament principles have tremendous application for us today. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uh, introduction. As Brother Gary has said, uh, we are talking about these five Ds as it relates to our body being the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what a series and teaching this has been. I'm excited about it. And I know all of you out there in Radio Land are excited about it as well. Uh, by way of introduction, uh, we are learning about some great truth between the Old Testament temple and the body being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, let me remind you of the Old Testament uh, temple was a sacred and holy place where God didn't play around with sin and hypocrisy. Uh, when the high priest was living in sin and hypocrisy, God dropped them dead. And the people pulled them out with a rope with bells. Uh, when the bells were not ringing, they knew that God dropped them dead. Uh, and uh, when the bells were ringing, they knew that the high priest was living a holy, righteous life. God always has a way of revealing sin in our life. That's why you need to come clean with the Lord. God doesn't play around with hypocrisy and sin, my friend. And if you're living a life of hypocrisy and sin in the church and in your life outside the church, you need to repent of that right now. Now, the same principle is true today with our bodies being the temple by which the Holy Spirit wants to dwell daily without sin and hypocrisy in our life. God can drop you dead too, and anyone dead too, with sin and hypocrisy dwelling in the place where the Holy Spirit wants to live and reign. After all, you know, the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit, and uh, he's called that because He's holy. He's 
God, the third person of the Trinity. And that's why it tells us in 1 Corinthians 3 and 16, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if anyone defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy. He will destroy you living a life of sin and hypocrisy. And that's why Jesus drove all those people, those religious leaders right out of the temple. Because if he hadn't did that, he probably would have dropped them dead. Now, let me review all of these Ds uh, so far, and we will pick up with uh, D number four, the fourth D. Let me review again the first three Ds. The first D, God wants our body to be a place of dedication. We learn about this in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, a place of dedication. Secondly, God wants our body to be a place of devotion. We learn this too in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that your bodies must become a living and holy sacrifice unto God. Thirdly, God wants our body to be a place of duty, which means a place of service and duty, to be wholly committed to Jesus as Lord and ruler of your body and your body, soul, and spirit and into complete service without sin and hypocrisy. Now, fourthly, this is where we're going to pick up today. Uh, fourthly, God wants our body to be a place of death, a place of death. Oh, this is some good teaching, good, good word for us. Hopefully you're getting all of these Ds. Now, when you look at Romans chapter 6, uh, when you look at Romans chapter 6, this relates to this place of death. Uh, verse 1 talks about, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? There is that word, sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, God doesn't have a cheap grace. Somebody wrote a book on that. God doesn't have a cheap grace. And sin, you know, rather than having grace to be replaced in your life, there will be judgment if you're living a life of sin. Now, verse 2 of Romans chapter 6 says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin? There is a word, death, dead to sin, live any longer therein. God wants us to die to sin in our lives. Verse 3, we are baptized into his death. Oh, if you do a just a word study in Romans chapter 6 and underline the word dead and death, you'll be amazed. Verse 4, was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, and we shall walk in the newness of life. And uh, verse 6, know this, that the, our old man is crucified with him. <clears throat> that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we shall not serve sin. Oh, God doesn't want you to <clears throat> live a life <clears throat> that's dominated with sin. He wants you to crucify. As it says in verse 6 of Romans chapter uh, 6 here, he says this to crucify. And this fits into 
Galatians 2 and 20. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You need to crucify your eyes, and we really need to crucify not only eyes, but that mouth, and crucify that tongue that's out of control. Crucify those ears, hands, feet, entire body for Christ. You need to die to self, die to your ego, die to allowing alcohol, drugs, gambling, fornication, adultery, pornography, and all other addictions. You need to die to it. And we need to crucify these three enemies of our soul. The devil who comes at us in the spiritual realm, the flesh that comes at us in the inner realm, and the world that comes at us in the outer realm. We need to crucify all of these things in the name of Jesus, because if we don't, they will become alive in our lives and dominate us. That's why Paul says in, in Romans chapter 7, every time I try to do good, evil is present with me. Thing that I hate, that's what I do. You know, you can easily get frustrated in Romans chapter 7. You guys, why you got to jump into Romans chapter 8? Because the solution is to this thing of allowing the flesh to uh, allow your life to come alive, and rather than you dying to self, it's the Holy Spirit that kills all of that sin that wants to reign in your life. It's the Holy Spirit. That's why in Romans chapter 8, Paul gets into there, and you should do a word study on how many times the word Holy Spirit is mentioned in Romans chapter 8, because Paul is pouring out his frustrations in Romans chapter 7, and then when he gets to Romans chapter 8, he says he's relieved because the power of the Holy Spirit. And isn't it interesting uh, in Galatians 5 and 20 when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit? It talks about all the different fruit of the Spirit. And then it talks about self-control. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And the only way that you can get control of that flesh and that devil and uh, the world trying to dominate your life, you just need to get into being filled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you need to empty yourself, like Moody says in his book, Secret Powers. Everybody should get that book, Secret Powers, because Moody says many Christians are praying for God to fill them when they're already filled with something else. He said there must be an emptying before there can be a filling. And when we empty ourselves of pride and self-ambition, self-seeking, Holy Spirit will come upon us like he did with the tabernacle and the temple and fill every place and he'll take control. You need to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to not only take resident, but become president of your life. And you can do that tonight, starting tonight. The way you die to self and become dead to self and kill the flesh in the spirit. And that's why you should read Galatians 5, the whole chapter. The way you do that is not only be filled with the spirit, but first and foremost to repent. I'm going to ask you to Pray with me this prayer right now. First John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to 
forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll cleanse you. He'll do a cleaning job in your life right now so you can start fresh and new. But you got to confess your sins and you got to repent. You got to turn from your sin. The word repentance comes from the Greek word montanoia. It's a military word. And you know what it means? I was telling my students in the class today, I'm a professor as well at Gateway Seminary. I'm teaching a class on basic evangelism. And I was telling the students that the word repentance, montanoia, means this. Make a note of this. Three things. It means a change of heart, number one. Number two, a change of mind. And number three, a change of thought. A change of thought. Your, your thoughts got to become his thoughts. And uh, the white Lama Moody made this brilliant point. He said, uh, evil thoughts travel across our minds like birds travel past our minds, above our minds. And he says, the white Lama Moody, the great evangelist, where revivals broke out in his ministry, he says, the sin is not evil thoughts traveling fast across our mind. He said the sin is when you allow the evil thoughts to make a nest in your head. <laughs> That's a powerful point. You know, the birds passing you is not the sin, but when you allow them to make a nest in your head. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary. Well, all right, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Butler. Give us a call. We want to entertain your questions, your comments. If you need prayer, we're here to pray with you because we always say prayer should be your first response and not your last resort. God is there for you, and we just he's just a prayer away, and sometimes we just need that encouragement to pray to, and, and to lift one another up in prayer is so vital. So don't be shy. Pick that phone up. Give us a call. And speaking of prayer, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for Contending for the Faith. We know that this is a prayer-driven ministry. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous have availed much over these many, many years to keep this ministry alive and on the air. And so we can't thank you enough. Keep the prayers going. Keep sending those things up to heaven uh, because it is vital. We also want to thank those of you who have partnered with us financially over these many years because this is a listener-supported ministry. Without your support, we have a lot of problems. And uh, right now, we are in need of $275 to uh, take care of our current uh, radio obligations. So we need your help to to uh, settle that debt. And uh, there's two ways that you can donate. You can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. 
That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Now, the second way is so much easier. Just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org and click on the donate button. It's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity, and you'll keep this ministry going forward and partnering with us and God to touch lives, to see people who are broken put back together, to see people in need of healing, get a touch, and most importantly, to see folks get saved. It's just that important. One day, we'll all be in heaven. God's going to say, look behind you, and you'll see a vast multitude of people, and you're going to say, Lord, who are these people? And God's going to say, these are the folks that got saved as a result of your giving. So it's so important. It's so important. Well, you know, speaking of prayer, we also have some prayer needs that we want to touch on before we go forward. Very close friend of our ministry, Robert, is in critical condition, the cardiac arrest. So we want, we just want to cover your prayers for Robert, as well as Luke, who recently lost his son in a car accident. We want to pray for Luke and his family uh, for their loss. Such a such a terrible thing. But uh, so let's just take this to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just lift up Robert. You are the great physician. You've never lost a case. And you're able to touch Robert even in his hospital room right now. We pray for healing. We pray that you guide the doctors. We pray, Lord God, for a good report. And we just lift up Luke and his family over the loss of the tragic loss of their son. You are the God of all comfort. And we just pray that you would comfort them, that you put your loving arms around that family and allow them to sense your presence like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Amen. Dr. Buckley, are you ready to go to the phone? Let's do that. Appreciate those prayers as well. All right. I believe we have Brother Cece waiting from last week. Brother Cece, how are you doing? Uh, how are you guys doing? We are truly blessed. Good to hear your voice again. Yeah, it's good to hear have, yours too. Yeah, we want to make sure that we be faithful to our commitment in getting you on first. And would you like to ask your question again and let's address, let's address your concern. I really appreciate that. Thank you. You're a man of your word. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you about this Mel Kedzadek guy. I've been looking at him for, for quite some years, and I know a lot of scholars and some people say that they compare him and say he's Jesus, which me, me doing my own analysis that I don't I don't think that he is Jesus. He seems like a type of Christ to me. And I just wanted to, to see what your what your opinion on that because a lot of scholars and a lot of people say that he's Jesus because you know the similarities, but I don't believe that. I don't I believe he's I believe he's like a type of Christ. Well, that's a very good uh, response and a good question as well <clears throat> and uh so you know we learn about uh melchizedek uh he's first mentioned in genesis chapter 14 and you hear about the whole story of the dialogue between him and and abram and later became abraham and and then uh you uh the writer of hebrews <clears throat> continued to talk about uh melchizedek now when you look at uh hebrews chapter uh, seven. Uh, there are some great truths here that we need not miss. So uh, 
when you go to Hebrews chapter 7, and do you have your Bible there? Um, actually, I think I... Not... Yeah. <clears throat> well, make sure each time you call in and you have a question about the Bible, make sure that you have a uh, Bible with you. <clears throat> that way you can see for yourself the way I break down uh, the scriptures. And I want to encourage not only CC, but anyone who calls in and have a Bible with you. Uh, when you have a Bible question, have your Bible with you so we can break it down and you can see my uh, uh, explanation of that in the spirit. So you can make a note of this in Hebrews chapter 7. It talks about in verse 3, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God. In other words, they could not find his genealogical records. Um, and uh, so this is what the writer is saying. Uh, he's not saying that he is uh, Jesus Christ, uh, but he's talking about, as you mentioned, a type a shadow and uh and it says now this is the key word but made like unto the son of god it says made like in other words a type when it uses the word like that's what people should make a note of made like unto the son of god it doesn't say he made the same or he was made like unto the son of god abide a priest continually. Now, when it says abide a priest continually, the sentence is continually with Jesus, because Jesus is a priest in heaven continually, but not Melchizedek. Melchizedek of the Old Testament was a priest on the earth, but when he died, Jesus continued to be a priest, which separates the two. Now, this is another uh, key point that you need to make note of, verse 4. Now, consider how great this man was. Now, it says, consider how great this man was. It doesn't say that he is the God-man, like John 1 and 1 and verse 14, because Jesus was the God-man. He was the Word, and then he was the Word made flesh. They said, consider how great this man uh, was. He's just a man, but he was a type of Christ. Now, now this is the coup de grace, the shot in the skull. I want to encourage everybody to look at this because this is very powerful. If you go to Psalms uh, 110 in your Bible, Psalms 110 in your Bible, Melchizedek is mentioned again. This is quite interesting. And I don't know how many of you knew that, but he's mentioned again in Psalms 110. Now, what I want you to notice in the context is that you have a the first person mentioned, a second person mentioned, and then a third person mentioned. The first person in Psalms 110 is Yahweh, the Father. Look at verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord. 
So you have uh, the father saying unto the the son, my Lord, and then, so you have the first person is the father, then the second person is the son, and then the third person is in verse four, and the Lord has sworn, and he will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So this third person that is mentioned is a man separate from Yahweh and the Lord, and then they mention him. So hopefully that gives some insight. There are solid theologians and, uh, and, and Bible teachers that uh, hold to a different view than I on this. They believe that Melchizedek is Jesus. And uh, so uh, be aware of that, and they have the right to hold that view. Uh, I don't uh, will not divide over them. I'll debate, but not divide, uh, because uh, it's nothing to divide over. But we need to know the full scope of truth here, and we need to be able to give answers from a solid apologetic standpoint. So hopefully, this gives some insight into this uh, tremendous question that you have, and it's a good question. So hopefully, that's helped you out. Oh, dude, I appreciate it. I, actually, I did have my scripture. I did have my my scriptures with me, but is it is in my it was in my school bag, and I had I got a bunch of stuff in here, so I, I would have had to dig through it. But I should I should at least had it been prepared and had it out though. So, but I do keep I keep my word with me wherever I go. There you go. Make sure you always have it out and prepared yeah. and uh, ready. Uh, but I'm glad you got helped and got some additional insight. And do you have any prayer requests before we go to a commercial? Yeah, you can pray for my mom, Rosalinda, and my family, and then pray for and just uh, my mom, Rosalinda, and my family, and then pray for me. Um, and I, I also have some neighbors that's next door to me, and they're really, really noisy. And I need to, I need the owner to be able to get involved and stuff. So, and it's pretty hard to get to them. So I just want to pray that God will take care of that because it's it's really it's really um, taking my peace away. They make a lot of noise, their kids, and it's banging on my walls. It's really, really, really hard to deal with. And I don't want to take the matter in my own hands. So I'd rather, you know, the guy will step in somehow. The owner could get involved. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's a good uh, prayer request. And we're going to have Brother Gary to pray for that prayer request. Brother Gary. All right. So, Lord, we just thank you for Brother CC. We thank you for his faithfulness, his commitment to your word. And we ask you to continue to keep him strong. We pray that you continue to give him patience when dealing with uh, people in his apartment complex. We pray, Lord God, that you would just supernaturally intervene on his behalf, Lord God, that you, Lord God, would uh, fight the battles for him. And where we just pray that you would give him the victory in that battle. And that, Lord God, you would continue to bless his mom, Rosalinda, and continue to be with Cece as he studies your word, that you'd also meet every need that's represented in his life. We'll be careful to thank you, praise you, and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, CC, for your uh, good question, and thank you, Brother Gary, for that prayer. Okay. All right. We've got about three minutes. Do you want to try to get in uh, Larry's? Yeah, let's get uh, Larry's, at least Larry's question, and yeah. uh, and and then uh, entertain it for a minute, and then come back on it. 
All right, Larry, are you there? Yeah, I am. Good evening. How you doing? Good evening, How you uh, doing? Uh, Dr. Bruckner and uh, Gary, uh, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even, words won't say how happy I am to talk to you all. Well, this it's a blessing I talk to talk to you. I, uh, I had yes. pneumonia, stopped breathing. Uh, oh, I had uh, the COVID virus. So uh, count me among the, the blessed, right? Yes, you are. Amen. I Amen. am. And uh, I thank you all I, I, and for holding me up in prayer, and uh, God bless you all. So I uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, about uh, infant baptism. You invited Lutherans specifically to call in, and I'm a Lutheran, so here goes. Uh, take a look, uh, if you don't mind, Acts of the Apostles. St. Uh, Peter's uh, 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 sermon on the Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children. Now, it doesn't say anything, anything at all, about uh, a... a, a what do you all call it? Uh, uh, consciousness of guilt, uh, culpability. Let's say anything about culpability. We know children sin. You know, uh, uh, let's see. Let me never works. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's no age limit there. All nations. Now, Back in the day, that was broken in various ways. Like they would only only Europeans could be saved, you know that kind of thing. Uh, even only only rich people could be saved. Uh, mm-hmm. The Puritans thought if you were poor, God was cursing you. Not true. Not true. We know that's not true, right? So Larry, and, uh, so Larry, what is Larry? What is your question? because I want to get to a question and, and be able to address it. What is your question? And where, where, are you, where are you going with this, and what is your question? So uh, oh, you I can come back to the commercial uh, and address what it. What I was What's talking about. What's that what? now? You didn't understand the point I was making? No, no, I'm because you didn't ask the question. You, you, you're, not, you're not called to be on the air to teach. You can ask the question. Oh, do you, okay. Do you, Why don't do you have a question? I'm, 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 I'm sorry, the Bible I'm teacher, sorry, I'm but I'm excuse sorry. me. I'm sorry. Uh, do why don't you baptize babies? That's you, my question. You're asking I'm the sorry, question. I didn't realize you couldn't discuss points. Of no, you, are you are you asking a question? I'm trying to get a clarity on. Are you asking yeah, a question? My question is, is, I'm going to hang up. Wait, wait a minute, is, wait a minute, Larry. We both yeah. can't talk at the same time. Are you asking the question? Does the Bible teach? Does the Bible teach infant baptism? Is that what you want to know? Yes, that's my question. Okay, well, let me address that when I come back. When we come back from the commercial break, thank you, Brother Gary. All right, well, let's take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you tonight. Don't be shy. Pick that phone up and give us a call. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith.
You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Once again, we just want to thank all of you who have been praying for this ministry and all of you who have, over the many years, partnered with us financially and given to Contending for Faith. We thank you so much. You've kept this ministry going, and you're keeping it going, uh, even as I speak. And so we just want to encourage you to continue to pray for this ministry and to continue to give. There's two ways you can donate. You can write a check or money order and address it to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Second way is, again, it's so much easier. Just go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the Donate button, and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. It does cost us 400 a week to remain on the air, and right now we're trying to retire a deficit of, I believe it's $275, if I can grab my notes here. Yep, $275 is needed. So we want to encourage you to step up to the plate and knock a home run for contending for the faith. Also, we want to remind you that we have podcasts available of all of our shows. And uh, if you missed any of our series on the Trinity or any of the uh, new series that we're doing on the five D's, you can go to kfax.com and look at the top of the banner. You'll see uh, contending for the faith listed and uh, you'll be able to navigate to our podcast where you can utilize all those episodes and uh, use them as resources. You can do Bible studies around them. Um, tell your friends and your pastor, check them out because it's a great resource to provide reasons and answers for faith. All right. So Larry is taking his answer off of to the air, Dr. Butner. So do you want to go ahead and, and uh, uh, yes, let give me him your thoughts that. on this subject of infant baptism? Yes. Uh, thank you, Brother Gary. Well, we always um, are open to anyone calling in with questions and stuff like that, uh, because we have such a lineup of uh, callers that uh, we don't encourage people to call in and, and, and be teaching uh, or teaching to make a point, because uh, we, we're uh, not set up for that, and, and I will not allow that. But uh, we are open to any questions, whether they're uh, in agreement or disagreement, and we respect that. Um, so um, Larry, uh, you know, has a good question, and it's a question that um, many in the Catholic Church and uh, Lutheran and some Methodist churches, Presbyterian Church, uh, practice uh, infant baptism. Uh, from a biblical perspective, Infant baptism is not taught anywhere uh, in the Old Testament nor the New Testament. And when you bring out, uh, you know, uh, baptize all nations and stuff like that, it doesn't say uh, in there baptizing children. It says all nations. And most of the time when a person got baptized, they became a believer. Now, there are exceptions. There are some children that are exceptional. But most children don't have that understanding. Therefore, God has given them grace. That's why J Jesus said, 
suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not because such is the kingdom of God. They are already in the kingdom of God, so there is no need for us uh, baptizing them to make sure that they get saved uh, because they're already under the grace and mercy of God because Jesus said it, suffer the little children to come unto me for such already is the kingdom of God. There is no place in the Bible that's gonna you're gonna find that is clear scripture saying uh, somebody baptized a baby because that's that was not the mindset of the early church. And now uh, Paul also makes it clear uh, in Romans chapter seven and nine. He says, "For I was alive uh, without the, without the law once, and when when the commandments came." sin uh, revived, and I and it sprung up, and I died. Well, when was he alive apart from the law where the law did not touch him? It was because when he was a child. But when he got to a certain age, sin sprang up, and he was held accountable. So I know this has been a debate throughout the centuries, and uh, some people are going to hold to their view and it doesn't matter what I say or anybody else that has a, a different view. And you're right to hold to that view that you have. But uh, I don't see from an exegetical standpoint where it holds any weight of infant baptism. And uh, it's not in scripture. Uh, it's more of a tradition. Uh, and uh, that's where I stand with it. All right, Gary, let's go to our next uh, call. Okay. We got Jermaine waiting. Brother Jermaine, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing very well. Oh, good, good. Good to hear your voice again. And uh, what's on your heart tonight, my brother? Well, um, I had a question, uh, you know, about uh, well, Mormonism. And it's going to take more than two calls. But the short version is I was at a funeral service and some uh, in-law family members who are obvious Mormons were allowed to speak and they made a mention of Brother Jesus and, you know, certain things about the eternal families, Brother Jesus, and uh, following, you know, they kept saying the Christ instead of Jesus Christ. Now, people like myself would be able to catch that, but I noticed a lot of people in the crowd were nodding their head and saying amen. And I have Walter Martin's book, and I've been listening to your teaching and, and others for so many years. I just wanted to hear you develop it because you do a better job than I could of just what they mean when they say Brother Jesus versus when we say Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You know, they obviously have a different reference point for that name. So I just wanted to hear you develop some thoughts on that. Right. That's a good uh, uh, question and a good concern. Well, what in, when, you, when it comes to Mormonism, uh, when they use the, the term Brother Jesus, understand it clearly that they are putting themselves ultimately on the same level of Jesus as a God. So in heaven, they will become gods uh, and uh, they will have their own planets and Jesus too. So they'll see Jesus in heaven as another brother. Uh, a brother God. And, and so, and also too, uh, before Jesus came into the world, according to the Mormons, that Jesus was known as the spirit brother of Lucifer. 
So people get shocked when I say that, but it's in their teaching. Jesus was the spirit brother of Lucifer. So this term brother has been used in Mormonism in a blasphemy way because Jesus is the God man. He was the one God made flesh and there's no other God equal to him. No other God equal to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, even the Mormons teach that, and it's really good for everyone to get the book, The Kingdom of the Cults by Dr. Walter Martin, my mentor. Uh, he says in the book there, uh, as well as the Journal of Discourses, volume one, page 50, uh, Brigham Young taught that Adam God uh, had sex with Mary. So Adam God pre-existed before he came into the world. And Adam God had sex, came into the world and had sex with Mary, the mother of Jesus. And that's how Jesus was uh, born. He, so when I generally talk to the Mormons, I say, I'll ask them the question, how was uh, Jesus uh, conceived? And most Mormons, because they're ignorant and never been taught that that's blasphemy teaching of the uh, Adam God birth thing with Jesus, that they'll say, oh, he was uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell them, no, that's something that uh, the Brigham Young taught differently. Because if you can get the Mormon leaders to fall, because they put the Mormon leaders teaching above Jesus teaching. So if you see contradiction in that, that's a serious point. And that's a serious contradiction. I remember Gary, when I first met him, and another guy named John, I was a missionary in San Francisco. And some Mormon missionaries came by the Fillmore Center. That I was a missionary over through the Southern Baptist. And uh, Gary was able to find that uh, actual uh, cassette. And he found it. It was back in 1978, before around 78, something like that. He found it and sent it to me, and I was able to get it on uh, CD. But it was a tremendous hour or so where I was a young, younger man, and really got in the face of the Mormons. And really, that CD is a tremendous CD for anyone to hear because it's raw bone. But anyway, that's what they mean by a brother Jesus. He's a, on a, on a, in, in heaven, Jesus will be equal to them as a brother. He will be a God amongst many other gods. And yet, uh, that's what they mean by that. So uh, we just stick with scripture, let them know that there's only one God, and especially Isaiah 43 and 10. Uh, he says, before me there was no God for me, neither shall there be after me. No Mormon is going to make us a God. Uh, no, um, you know, uh, anybody else that's involved with the nation of Islam saying they can become black gods. People involved with uh, the New Age believing that they can become gods. God says in Isaiah 43 and 10, before me there was no God for me, neither shall there be after me. Nobody's going to make it, but the one, the creator, he's the one God. So hopefully that helps out and gives some insight into that, that phrase, uh, Brother Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I see how, how dangerous it is to not properly teach your children how to differentiate and, and uh, just spiritually new Christians because, you know, they're able to slip stuff like that in and, and move right along. But 
I'll uh, yeah, you, call back with the second part of my question next week to give you guys some time. Yeah, you have to scale language. That's what Walter Martin said. Scale and define language because the Jesus of the cults is another Jesus, not the Jesus of the Bible. Thank you for your call, and God bless you, brother. Thank you. All right. Good question. Well, Brother Gary, we have enough time to get... Uh, All right, let's try to squeeze Brother Rick in. Let's do that. Brother Rick, how you doing? I'm glad I made it. Yeah, we're glad you made it, too. And uh, let's, let's get right to your your concern and your to question. Let's get to the question. Uh, when, does the, when does the priesthood begin in the New Testament? You know, that's a tremendous question. Good question. It's, it's interesting you, you, you raise that question because... Uh, <clears throat> You asked that question because uh, a couple of weeks ago, I posed that question to Gary and uh, gave him some insight on that and several other people. Um, many people think that the priesthood of believers began in the resurrection and began when the church started on the day of Pentecost. But uh, I happen to go a, a step before that. Uh, this is quite interesting that the uh, priesthood of all believers busted open uh, when uh, the temple was torn and twined. Um, that's a very uh, important point to uh, bring out uh, when Jesus had, uh, you know, busted open the, the, the temple. Now, now you'll find this in Matthew 27 and verses 50 and 51. Matthew 27, verses 50 and 51. Uh, because the veil of the temple, that was, uh, let me kind of define what that is. The veil of the temple, it was a, a certain, there was a curtain that blocked the entrance to the most holy place. And you can see that in uh, Exodus 26 and 33 and Hebrews 9 and 3. And only the high priest had entrance into that uh, blocked uh, uh, curtain. Uh, secondly, the tearing of the veil signified that the way into God's presence was now open to all uh, believers through a new and living way. We find that in Hebrews chapter 10 and verses uh, 19 through 22, Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. And thirdly and lastly, the fact that it was torn from top to bottom. Now, what is the significance that it was torn from top to bottom. Well, there is some significance with that. It was torn from top to bottom. That showed that no man has split the veil, but the Almighty God had the only power to do that. And uh, God uh, uh, demonstrated that, and he did it. And uh, so God made it clear that no man could do that, but God himself had the power to do that. So, uh, very important for us to see these things in the light of Scripture. And when the, the temple was torn in two, it opened up the door towards us all having accessibility. So, remember that. that is, it's at the cross when that happened. And we, we hear the music, but hopefully that helped you out, Rick. And uh, God you bless you. And uh, All right. Alfred, Alfred, also remember Alfred in closing in your prayer. I got him covered. Amen. Amen. So we want to lift up Brother Alfred. Lord, we just pray for Alfred's mother who's having surgery. You are the great physician, Lord God. You can. We know that you're going to bring her through, Lord God. 
just ask and request this in Jesus' name. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. We'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us, so please drop us a note and let us know how this program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.